Hello and welcome to Springboard, your virtual university. My name is Albert Okran, welcoming you on behalf of Team Springboard, ably led by Comfort. Springboard is your most inspirational show and the point of convergence for the greatest minds. Your virtual university is brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation in partnership with the Multimedia Group and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the Enterprise Group, UMB Bank, with support from the graphic business. For the past few weeks, we've been hiding in the engine room, trying to draw out the back lines, the untold stories, the behind-the-scenes action of some of the most significant frontliners in our lives, trying to find out the what, the why, the where, the tears, the laughter, the joys, the tough decisions that undergird their work. We've had the privilege of being on set with Diana Hamilton, Israel Laye, Anita Eskin, and Kwame Eugene. Today we have a very special guest that I know you would love to hear. Somebody I've admired and respected for several years because of what he stands for and who he represents. Some call him Nilanti. Everyone calls him Father Campbell, the father of the lepers. Father Campbell, good to see you. Good, thank you for inviting me. When I grew up, I want to be universally loved like you. Uh, Do you sometimes feel that your life is lived for other people? I've always felt that way. I came from a very happy, beautiful family. And I learned from the word go, always share and give and make other people happy. That was my life. And that's why I took motto of Mother Teresa, doing something beautiful for God. And that's my life. Doing something beautiful for God. for God. And my mother, father taught me that. To give, to share, to make other people happy. That's what I feel my vocation is. And for the past 50 years I've been here in Ghana. 50 years. On the 13th of October this year, I'm 50 years in Ghana. That's my life. Doing something beautiful for God could have been done in any vocation. How did you end up as a priest? How did I end up? You know, when I was a young boy in school, in primary school, we went to a Catholic primary school, and we used to read magazines, magazines from various religious congregations, and we used to meet priests who had been out to the missions, and that inspired me. I said, this is what God wants me to do. And I used to read of priests going out uh, in Africa, out to our stations on horseback, going around preaching the gospel and others. And I got that, that feeling, you know, God is calling me to come to Africa. God is calling me to go and preach the gospel uh, in Africa. So I always had that longing and that feeling, this is what God wants me to do since I was a young boy. So... When I was 13 and I finished primary school, things weren't easy at home. And that's when I said to my mommy and my daddy, I want to go to secondary school to be able to go to the seminary. And mommy and daddy said, sorry, Andrew, we don't have the money to send you to secondary school. Go and work, because they needed money. Things were difficult at home. 
they were difficult. So I went to work for 30 shillings a week as a laborer in a wholesale grocery shop. 30 shillings but, a week. Yeah, 30 shillings a week. That was my, my wages. But I still had that yearning. This is not what I should be doing. This not, I never went near school. I never went near a book during those two years. I worked for a Jew man. He was a Jew. Monty Harris. I remember him well. And we worked hard from 8 o'clock in the morning till 6 in the evening. For the first year, I was on the back of a truck going around the city of Dublin delivering goods, wholesale goods to shops. And then the second year, I was made in charge of the the, the, uh, the front desk as well, where we sold cigarettes, sweets, chocolates, all of these things. I was put in charge with that. But I still wanted it. I wasn't happy. I didn't know this is not what I made for. I prayed hard, you know, this is what, what, what God, what do you want me to do? So I applied, I saw the Divine Word Missionaries, their magazine, and they inspired me. And I went to their minor seminary over in England at the age of 15. And I did my secondary school in three years. And each holiday I came home, I worked. I worked. There was no extra classes. I had to work to buy clothing and to help me next term. So for three years I worked. And then when I was 18, I had to make my decision to go to the minor, to go to the major seminary. So at the age of 18, uh, I applied and I was accepted. But then I was given a long list of stuff to bring to the seminary. A long list. Ah, as long as your elbow. <laughs> I didn't have the money to buy that. And I had no grandfather. I went to work in a, in a supermarket in Dublin. And I was able to buy all my clothing. Somebody gave me a present of a pair of shoes. Uh, others gave me a present of this, that, and the other. And all the, I bought my suit and all, but all that was left was my, my three black cassocks that I needed. And I needed ten pound. And lo and behold, I couldn't say, where would I get ten pound from? And this was just about two weeks before going to the seminary. But you know, God is good. Ten pounds. Ten pounds. That was all that was required to finish. That was all that was required, and I could, my parents couldn't afford it. But you know, God is good, and I still have that letter that somebody wrote to me with an envelope and put money, ten pounds inside it. And the postman delivered it to our house. Tell me, tell me about that. Somebody you never met. Never met. I don't even know who they are. I still have the letter in my Bible to remind me, you know, when I got this letter, and I got this £10 note. Please pray for me. That's all. Pray for me and my children. I hope you'll be a good priest and a holy priest. God bless you. Signed, Don. Signed, Donor. I don't know who it was. I don't. To this day, I love to wait till I go to heaven. <laughs> then I'll find out who it is. I don't Are you know. Serious? I don't know who gave it to me. I don't know. But you see, there was a lesson there. God took care of me. And when I realized that, I said, now I know. The rest of my God will take care of me for the rest of my life. This is what God wants. Did it inform your perspective about God's provision for your work of ministry? I mean, this was an answer to prayer. That God will take care of me. And he has. He's taken care of me all these years. All these years he's taken care of me. And when I look back this time last year, this time last year, um, one morning, I tried to get out of bed, and I couldn't get out of bed. So my friends thought, well, Fudd Campbell has COVID. <laughs> so they sent me off to the hospital, the University of Ghana Medical Center. 
and he tested me for COVID and I was negative. But he kept me in hospital for a few days. And then they were going to let me home. Thank God he didn't. It was a Saturday night, the 11th of July, midnight. I had a crisis. I had a crisis. They had to call the doctors from outside. One doctor came all the way from Nungwa at midnight to come and take care of me. Things were so difficult. My blood pressure was 70 over 30, which is the pressure of a dead body. I was dead. But you know, God being so good. God was good. God's healing power. That's what say God will take care of you. He promised me. This was one example. God will take care of you. And I was lying in my bed just after that, the 11th of July. And God said to me, give me a message. He said, you haven't finished your work. Go and help the poor. But that's what you've done all your life. I was retiring. I was retiring in a few months after this. Oh, my God. And I said, no, God has given me a mission for my retirement. That I'm not going to go into retirement. As long as God has given me my health, I'm going to do this work for God. Do something beautiful for God. That's why, that's the message I got. And that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do now. Is to give my life to help people, to be with people. I'm now living among the lepers. I'm going to, I'm helping the three children. I want to serve, I want to, so many people come to me for help. Needy people, poor people. I want to help this do something beautiful for God. Father, let me rewind to a story about coming by ship to uh, Ghana. Yeah. How did you come? Oh my goodness. <clears throat> I came with another priest. Um, and he said, let's go by ship. I mean, everybody has, there were about 15 of us in the class ordained on the 20th of December, 1970. Some were going to Brazil, some were going to India, different places of the world. But two of us volunteered for Ghana. That was our first choice. And we, 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 that's why they sent us to Ghana. That's what we asked for. And uh, we decided to take the boat. He said, let's go by boat. So we've, we've nothing, you know, there's no hurry in going there. Let's go by boat. So we got the boat from Dublin to Liverpool. Then we got on the Oriol boat at Liverpool that I'll never forget. I never, we're on the River Mersey. I'll never forget that, never. I can remember going on to, going to the top of the boat. You know that film, The Titanic? You see somebody standing in the front, you know, that's where I stood. <clears throat> the boat came down the River Mersey. And I said, yeah, what am I doing? <laughs> Next stop, Africa. I said, yeah, I'd never been to Africa before. Africa? And you know nothing, except what I read in geography books and articles I read on the missions. I didn't, I'd hardly talk to a black man. I mean, there's none, there were none in Ghana, there were none in, sorry, in, in Dublin. The only black people in Dublin were the medical students. So I never talked with anybody. You hadn't spoken to a black person? Hardly ever. No. I was, this was faith. I said, on top of that boat standing there, I cried. Oh. Did, did you take a picture? No, I didn't. You no. should have. I should have. Should have. My heart, but <laughs> I was, I was, I was crying. I said, Why? Lord, I said, now I'm quitting the umbilical cord. Now, next stop, Ghana. 
And I took that boat out for those 13 days on that high seas. I went through the Bay of Biscay. Hey, my stomach, my boat was up and down, up and down. Oh, I got sick as a dog on the way. But we pushed through, we managed to. We had a good time on the boat. Did a swimming pool on the boat. Then the priest who came with me, he, he just stayed three months in Ghana and said, never enough. I can't take it anymore. And the day he was leaving from Takaradi was the day I got a, a, a telegram from my father to say my eldest sister was killed in a motorbike accident in Dublin. And that devastated me. So I went home, but I missed the funeral. I came back, things were difficult, they were hard. And I really struggled. By the grace of God, I'm still here. I'm still in, I thank God that I didn't go, I'm still around. But I wanted to go back home. Did you feel like going back home? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I was 25, I was 24 when I was ordained. So I was young. I was, there, were, there were three of us. Two went to Brazil, I came to Ghana. Three of us were 24. So they had to write to Rome to get permission, to get permission for it to be ordained at 24. And what was the standard age for ordination? 25. Wow. So 25, and then uh, I came out to Ghana when I was 25 then. And it, it wasn't easy. But I, I managed it, you know. I look back and say, God, thank you that I didn't go home. You know, the other priest went back to London and he worked as a parish priest and was very successful there. He did very well. He said, it wasn't for me. And I said, but I stayed. I said, by the grace of did. God, by the grace of God, you know, and, and the, the wonderful people who, also, who encouraged me and supported me, and such and such. they didn't know what I was going through. They didn't. And that was St. Peter's Church. St. Peter's Church, you know. So Let me explore your work with lepers. When yeah. did you, I mean, I know you've done some fantastic job as a priest, mm-hmm. but I'm curious about other things that you've done with your life, and especially, what about lepers? Uh-huh. What's it about lepers that enjoys your heart yes, so yes. <laughs> and your eyes, the brightness in your eyes? What is it about? Yeah, they call me a leper priest. One priest, no where I go, and we'd be at a meeting, and he said, who's going to lead the prayer? He said, the leper priest. <laughs> so Were you offended? No, 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 no. I was happy that if you, you know, uh, to be associated with the lepers, I'm happy. How did you connect with them? What, what was the first encounter? You see, when I was a young priest at Holy Spirit Cathedral, this is going back to 19, 1974, 75, around that time, when I was working out on the, the garden in the Holy Spirit Cathedral. And when I was working there, uh, this leper came. He came and he had a bag of mangoes. And he said, Father, he says, I want to give you a gift. A gift. I said, you know, what gift do you want to give me? And I saw, I didn't know him. He had no fingers. I said, yeah, this is a leper. <laughs> so no fingers, no toes. So Father, this is for you. Thank you, I said. And I gave them away quickly. Because I thought I'd get leprosy. I said, no, no, this is not right. No, 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 you have to go and find out where he came from. So I went out to Wager. And I went and I was, oh, I was devastated. When I saw the conditions of the place there, when I talked to the people, they were hungry, they were this, that, and the rest. Nobody was taken to hospital. When they got sick, you know, all sorts of problems. That's when I said, this is what God has called me to do. And I decided to help them. Then I started the Leprous Aid Committee. And we start, you know, raising money, having sponsorship walks and concerts to raise money. 
Because even to today, I mean, they, they, what the leopards get today, they get 30 CDs a month from the, the League Fund, but no other support. No other support. The rest, I have to take care of them. With food and one thing and the other. So that's how I started. And just gradually went along. Things got better for them. Renovated our place. Uh, we had a, a car to bring them to the hospital. Because it, it, gee, when I think of the early days, the biggest problem we have with leprosy is the stigma. Even to this day. Even to this very day, people are afraid of going near them. When they see them and they see such and such. And that's going on now since the time of the Bible, since the time of Christ. And sadly, sadly, the people need to be educated. Have you ever feared yourself that you no, get leprosy? Never. Why? I don't know. I'm grace of God. Grace of God. When I come back from this break, I'm going to ask for the Campbell about celibacy, football, hanging out with presidents, and the very next minute, hanging out with the prostitutes and the poorest of the poor. Let's go for a break and let's find out from Nicole about contentment, how a person can be content doing the basest of the base in terms of work. Contentment. A recent study indicated that over 75% of people felt envious of someone in the last year. Envy can sabotage your success. While it helps to benchmark your progress against peers, you must compete with yourself only. Being content means you are thankful for what you have and patient for what is to come. As Benjamin Franklin says, contentment makes poor men rich. Discontent makes rich men poor. Here are three things to do to be more content. One, shift from comparison to curiosity. Two, move towards those who have achieved more. Three, have a long-term perspective. So today we ask you, what will you do today to ensure you are not running somebody's race? Don't be left out. Download the MTN Pulse app from the App Store or Play Store to mash up all day, every day. You can also enjoy more mashup. Just buy the new Mega Bundle and get 3 gigabytes data, extra 400 megabytes for your social apps, and free MTN to MTN calls every Monday. So just go ahead, feel the pulse on MTN Pulse. Just be. We're good together everywhere you go. From Chotro passenger to tier rubber car owner. At Enterprise, we take care of life's uncertainties so you are free to make your dreams a reality. Dream big with us. Enterprise, your advantage. Welcome back to Springboard, your virtual university, and to this very special edition of In the Engine Room with the Father Andrew Campbell. And during the break, I had the wonderful privilege of receiving from him his book, his biography, The Priest, Father Campbell SVD, A Missionary of Hope. Beautiful description of a man whose entire life is lived serving the underprivileged. I have several questions for Father Campbell <laughs> about why his whole life seems to be about other people and about the poor. But the question I have for him now, Father Campbell, why you feel such a sense of contentment doing what seems to the ordinary person like a thankless job? I remember Mother Teresa 
she was asked one day by a newly ordained priest. The priest said to her, Mother, I need advice. I'm just ordained a priest. What advice do you give me? So he thought, she would say, look after the lepers, look after the handicapped, look after the sick, she said. She told him, go and spend one hour before the Blessed Sacrament in the church. Do that every day, and you'll be a happy priest. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? You see, we're living in this age of activism. We're busy, busy, busy. We're always on the mobile phone. We're always going to meetings and this, that, and the other. We don't have time to be quiet. And I've learned over the years that we need time for prayer. And I've taken Mother Teresa's advice to spend one hour before the Blessed Sacrament. Every day I do that. Every day. I spend that hour in the morning before the Blessed Sacrament. And there, quietly, I commune with God. This is what gives me that joy, happiness, and peace. I bring everything before Jesus, everything, everything before him. Because I feel this, I'm not a social worker. I'm a man of God. I'm there to bring hope to others. I'm bringing love to others. And if I don't have God's love in me, how can I share it with others? How can I share? I'm not there just thinking about money. I'm not I'm there to give hope to people. I'm here to give love to people. But if I don't have it, I cannot give it. And where do I get it? I get it when on my knees before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament when I spend my time in prayer. And I sit in that time in prayer before God quietly, praising Him, thanking Him, loving Him, listening to Him. That's what I do. That's what gives me my, my strength, my courage every day. I'm a fellow of the African Leadership Initiative West Africa, and by extension, the Aspen Global Leaders Network in Colorado. And I know that when you go for the Aspen um, Leaders Retreat, the Global Leaders Network Retreat, one of the experiences that they recommend is to spend a day in a monastery, just quiet. I've considered doing it. I haven't had a chance to do it. You think I should? On the coming Sunday, I'm going away for a whole week of prayer. Every year, so we're obliged in the Catholic Church, for every priest is to go away for one week in prayer. Every year. It's obligatory. We have to. Because otherwise you're caught up in too many things. You're caught up. And there's the danger today is we're living this age of activism. Always active. Always our phones, our mobile phones. You know, we don't... We're just like robots. Our phone's like an extension of our hand. We don't talk to each other now. We don't commune. You know, we're just always on the phone, the phone, the phone. We need to put that aside and be able to spend time just me and God and God and me. And that's why I did my ordination uh, retreat in a monastery with monks. And it was the most wonderful experience. Six to seven times a day, they all come from the rooms and they sing the, uh, the, 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 the breviary, they sing the, the psalms at different times of the day, and then go back to work or back whatever they have to do. And that inspired me. It inspired me that... You think I'll enjoy a day, a whole day, not talking, just looking into oh, space? Oh, yeah, I mean, just... It would be nice? Next, from Sunday to next week, Friday, we won't talk. There'll be no talking. Our retreats, 
We've no phones, no talking, just you and God for seven days. And I remember the first year in the novitiate, we did an eight-day retreat, silence. And then during Lent, we did a 30-day retreat. 30 days retreat, quiet. After 10 days, you have a break of a few hours, and then another eight days. But it was punctuated, you know, by the... But the emphasis on prayer. We are men of God. And you see, I'll always remember one of my classmates. I'll never forget him. I'll never forget. Declan was his name. And he volunteered for Mexico. And he went there. But he got into trouble. He got into trouble. And I remember he wrote to me a beautiful letter. He says, Andy, he said, my problem was I put emphasis on the work of the Lord and not on the Lord of the work. Mm. And I got into trouble. And he got into big trouble. Big trouble that he had. He, he impregnated some lady. She said that uh, it was your child. He left the priesthood. Got married in a civil marriage. Then baby was born. Then the baby died. And the woman turned to the priest and said, it wasn't your baby anyway. So he wanted to come back to the priest that he wasn't allowed. He wasn't allowed. And he came back to Ireland and he spent four years in a mental hospital. Couldn't forgive himself. Is ministry difficult? When you say, is it difficult? We have challenges. You have problems, you have difficulties. But when you realize, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's one of my favorite quotes. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I think that's where we fall back on our prayer. That there'll always be challenges. There'll always be problems and difficulties. But we're not on our own. We're not on our own. And that's why we are men of prayer. Not just men of meetings, men of, of putting up buildings and such and such. That's not important. That's secondary. People look to us for being our, our prayerful life, not for what we do. They come to us for hope. And I can look back at the people I've taken care of. I've taken care of prostitutes. Tell me about the prostitutes. I've, I've taken care of prisoners. Okay, with prostitutes. It's an interesting uh, work. Very interesting. Um, do you actually go to the work stations? I go around uh, Canterman Circle, the, the roundabout there. Some will run away from me. But you just, the, in the evening? Yes, in the evenings, around 8, 9, 9 o'clock in the evening. You drive there, park, talk to yeah, them? Yeah, park, park my car, and then I, I go over and talk to them. And I'd stand with them, we would talk together, and they would tell me their whole story, their life story. Sometimes we sit down on the side of the street. I'm in my cassock. There was one man, I'll never forget him, uh, Morton, what's his name? Mr. Morton, you know, he, he saw me there one day and he went around and around and around. He said, what's Father doing here? I said, I'm praying with them. I'm praying with these people. I'm there to give them hope. and encourage. I'm not there to condemn them. I'm not there to judge them. I'd give them a rosary bead or a medal and I'd sit down and I would talk with them. And I remember one time, you know, I asked him, what, what time, what's your hours? He said, oh, our hours are from 9 o'clock at night time till 4 the next morning. Then we go home and have a bath and we go to church. Are you surprised? So 
Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. So the next morning, outside Christ the King, I was greeting everybody as I normally do after Mass, greet everybody. And two beautiful dressed young ladies came. I said, hi, Father. I said, hi. Don't you remember us? I said, not really. Father, you met us. You last met us night. last night. Are you serious? <laughs> you met us last night, Father. Such and such. And they told me that every Christmas they give gifts to the poor. They go to the orphanages and the rest and give money and give gifts and all that to the poor. They want to get off the streets. And I'm happy I got some of them off. And we were able to send them to uh, schools, especially the catering schools, and did some catering. And now they're, they're no longer doing that business. You know, that I'm happy. Tell us about your work in the prisons. The prisons, that was a real exciting time. Yay, the prisons. Oh, never forget the prisons. I was in Usher Fort in James Fourth Prison. I used to go there every Wednesday. And this was the time of the AFRC convicts. And every Wednesday I was there at same Mass. And I always remember on one side you had all the, the AFRC men and the other side the, 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 the criminals and those in for criminal offences and the rest. So we used to have catechism class. We used to have first communions and baptisms. We even played volleyball in the prisons. And then the time came when there was the hardships. We used to cook for them every Saturday. You? My church. The church is Sacred Heart Parish in Derby Avenue. We used to get food from the National Catholic Secretariat. We got rice and dried fish and dried vegetables. And I said, right, I told the officers, I've got food, but I'm not going to leave it with you unless you give me permission to give out the food to every prisoner, I won't bring you the food. I knew why. I wasn't going to leave food there. So we used to go every Saturday, and uh, they'd leave their plates outside their cells, and I'd put out the rice and the fish and the vegetables and give it to them. That I would do. But the hardest part of all was when some of them were brought in from Enswam and other places for their for the firing squad, that was the hardest part. That was the difficult part. You met part. people who were about to go on yeah, the firing oh yeah, squad? Yeah, I prepared them. Yes, 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 yes. What do you mean by prepared them? Spiritually. Spiritually. So you did a prayer for them? Before? Yeah, prayer and confession, you know, beforehand. And the, Father, why? Why? You know, it was a, oh, it's, I remember one Sunday morning, it was Easter Sunday, and I was sitting in the cell there on my own with one of the members, one of the men, the sun was just coming through the window, you know. And I was trying to give the man hope and encouragement. It was difficult. It was difficult. Were you, were you in prison yourself? I was inside the prison. I was inside the, 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 the cell. Were you, were you the ward? Were you the chaplain? Were I was in prison yourself? Yeah, I was a chaplain. I was a chaplain to the Catholic chaplain to Usher Ford. So you were James inside Ford. the prison? Yes, I, was in, I had master every week. Every week I was inside having mass inside in the, in the prisons, Usher Fort and also James Fort. So I know the whole, I could bring you all around Usher Fort and James Fort and tell you, you know, tell you Usher, Usher. how Willie was here. I could tell you, uh, a Champo was here. I could tell you where all the people were. So did you, so you, you actually prayed for people before they were executed? Oh yes. I went to, I went to their, they were in their cells, each in the cells in the condemned block upstairs and I'd, I'd go there. And I'd, I'd sit with them and sit with them in the room. What, what, was the, uh, what was the feeling? How did they feel? They felt they lost hope. 
just lost hope and said, why, why, why? I'm trying to do my best and such and such and such. So I would pray with them and give them encouragement and give them hope. And I must say, when I finished, they were, they were grateful. They were grateful for the prayers. I pray over them and bless them. Those who are Catholic have confession and give them communion and to give them that strength just to, 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 to face that firing squad. Did it influence your ministry? Just the closeness to people who are about to die, who are questions about it. Yeah, when you put your hand on their head and you realize in a few days' time it's going to bullets are going to go through, that used to frighten me. <laughs> That's wow. it. But you see, what, what is my work as a priest? My work as a priest is to bring hope to people, bring love to people. Tell people that, you know, life is beautiful. And after this life, there's another life to come. So don't give up. Don't give up. You know, we're here for a short while, but there's another life after this that, you know, is there for you. So I don't encourage them, those who are going for the fires, but I don't encourage them, there's a life after this life. And so we'd have confession, I'd pray with them, uh, pray the rosary with them, uh, give them absolution, and they were happy after that. And I left them. So it gave me encouragement too, that this is my life. Isn't it wonderful to be a priest? You know, you know, I love being a priest. I love being, bringing that person, bringing them hope to prisoners, to prostitutes. I gave retreats for 35 years at St. Rose's Secondary School. For 35 years, I was there every term, giving all the girls a retreat for a whole week. I'd give them a retreat. You know, these were the people I, I, I you know, I worked with, you know, and gave Can them... a question about celibacy. Mm-hmm. Yes. You never married Never married, no. I took the vow of celibacy. Tell me about it. I took the vow of celibacy. When, when was when I was took my first vows as a divine word missionary priest. I'm a divine word missionary priest. That's where you see SVD at the end of my name. Belong to this congregation. It was founded over in Germany. And um, it was uh, founded by a man called Arnold Jansen. And... Um, uh, we were 5,000 members all over the world, all different missions and such and such. And so you, you do your novitiate, and after your novitiate, two years novitiate, and after novitiate, then you take your vows for one year, and you, take, you renew them for, for four times before you take your final vows for life. And then, of course, as a priest, you take your vow, your, your vow of celibacy. Now, people always look at the negative side, of you know celibacy, a priest is there imitating Christ. Christ was poor. Christ was obedient, and Christ was celibate. Their devils we priests take. He was poor. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't get a wage. I depend on the church for everything. The church helps me no matter what it is. That's what the church is there. The church will always help you and support you. So I take the vow of poverty. I don't have a bank account. I don't have a wage coming in every week. I don't have those. So the vow of poverty is you're dependent completely on the church. You're dependent completely on God. That you have that trust in God and trust in the church. So I don't need money. I don't need... I've always been provided. I always... So... Money is not, you know, you give me money, I'll give it to the poor. You know, so we take the vow of you don't, poverty. You don't 
you don't think about what, what, what would have been like to be married? No, I mean, you, you, you know, as a priest, you know, this is the life that you've been given. It's a gift from God. Wow. It's a gift from God. God has given to you, you know. And you take the vow of poverty, you take the vow of obedience, that you're obedient to your superior, your superior says you're obedient because Christ was obedient to his father. We're obedient to our superior. And you take the vow of celibacy. Christ never married. Christ couldn't marry because he was living the heavenly life in this world here. Celibacy so you're happy as a celibate. is a sign, it's an eschatological sign. Now let me explain it. Eschatological means heaven. You know, people look to Christ because, uh, that he was a sign of the heaven, of heavenly kingdom. And a priest is also, I'm a sign of the heavenly, there's something more beyond this world here. I'm a sign of, of, of what's to come, that my, my life is not for the things of this world. Honors, money, privilege, all of these things, they're nothing. But you won so right. many awards, you've been celebrated, oh, you've been appreciated. That must but, mean something to you. It's an appreciation, but I say thank you, and I'm grateful that you've appreciated. But my life is with God. He gets tempted. Everybody gets tempted. How do you manage temptation? My prayer. If I don't have my prayer and I don't have my communion and my mass and my confession and my prayer, if I don't have those, I will fall. Definitely fall. That's what we, our spiritual life is about. Our spiritual life is, that's why this priest fell. He said, I stressed the work of God and not the God of the work. I stressed work. I was going out in Mexico, he said, to all the outstations. I was going to meetings. I was going here. I was going there. I was going all over the place. But I neglected my prayer. I neglected God. And that's why, you know, stress the Lord of the work. Not the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord comes second. But the Lord of the work. I am not a social worker. I'm a priest. I'm a man of God. I'm there to bring hope to bring love, to bring care, to let people, don't, don't give up. Don't, don't give up. You know, keep on going, keep on going. You know, uh, the greatest tool of the devil is the tool of discouragement. You know, before we, before we, before we sign off, I want to sign off on the lighter side of your life. But before we sign off on that, I, I want to say a special thank you to you for what you do for lepers. And I know that you, you said something in passing that, touched me very much. You said things are far better now uh-huh. compared to 47 years ago yes. when you began this journey with the mm-hmm. first leper who brought you the mangoes. Yes, 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 yes. Now there are various interventions that support lepers a bit more than they were when you began. You've mm-hmm. actually gone on who wants to be rich? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I, oh I my goodness! I never do that again. I never. Why? My heart. Why? My heart was. Okay. Why was, was I was clapping for you and cheering you. How, how would you feel? You're sitting there, and you know, uh, the music goes din din din, and then you've got you know two questions. Are you sure? No, you don't change your mind. And there, is there a oh, answer? My heart. <laughs> Clapping and cheering like no man's business, and you want twenty five? Yes, we want twenty five. Yes, we couldn't answer the last question, and I wasn't going to gamble it. You'd have lost everything. Well, one except for two thousand seats. What's two thousand twenty five? No, no, give me my twenty five. 
was great. It was great. It was great. I'll never forget that. You gave that money to the lepers. Yes, I was never need money. Yeah, I didn't need. I mean, it's going to the lepers. You want to raise some money for lepers? I think it's a beautiful thing. Let's do it now. Mm-hmm. If somebody wanted to give mobile money to the mm-hmm. cause of yeah. the lepers, was it? Is it Wager Lepers Serum? Or yeah. The, or the I lepers? give my my phone number. Give us a number that Zero. all our viewers okay. can send money now to to the cause I'll be of very the happy lepers. No, let's do it now. Okay. Let our listeners, our viewers, who are impressed by everything that you said. Give to the lepers that you serve so faithfully. You've given all your life to them. Let us give them one day of Wonderful. On the 13th of October, I will be 50 years in Ghana. And we hope to open up the new facilities we have out on Wager. Wow. And I want to start a little, uh, what was it say, uh, program. Adopt a cured leper. A cured the people leper. will adopt a leper. So look, I'll take care of this person's medical bills, his food bills and such and such. Adopt the cure so leper. that each person, each leper will have somebody that is taking care of Correct. them as yes. their project. Yes. So I can have, let's say, a leper. Yes, to say, okay, you're going to you take care of, let's say, Anna Mensa. Okay. Anna Mensa. Will I get to meet Anna? You can if you want to. I would want to. Yeah. And be able to look after her. Now, we're, we're, thanks to Common. Common Fund have been wonderful to me. They've built new rooms for all the lepers out in Wager. Really? Yes, new, 40 new rooms. Fine. And they're just finishing them now. And they're building, they've built a new clinic and a research center for them. May the Lord bless them. Ah, and they've helped me in home, renovating home for me, anchor form, and they've built a new um, laboratory up in Wa. There are about 700 active lepers up in Wa. 700. Every year, for the past few years, there have been about 260 to 300 uh, new cases of leprosy in Ghana. Father, give me the number. 024. 024. 332. 6643. Correct. 024. 332. 6643. Correct. That is the number that we are encouraging, imploring, <laughs> uh, beseeching you to give to now. I am standing with Father Campbell now and imploring you that after giving 50 years of his life, and everything that he has to this beautiful country of ours, wherever you're watching us from all over the world, use Momo, MTN mobile money, to give to 024-332-6643. I really challenge for the Campbell that we will surprise him by giving him <laughs> much more than he has ever received in a day. Mm, my goodness. Just my to goodness. say thank you to, to yeah. me for what you do. Thank you very That's much. That's all we can see on Springboard. Mm-hmm. We celebrate you for who you are. I was, a, I was privileged to be a, a judge when you came on, on the MTN Heroes of Change. Mm, and it was it's such it's a compelling it's case it's that you made. And all that we could just say was thank you for what you do for this country. Mm-hmm. Father Campbell, let's go to the lighter side. For all people, please give while we have this conversation. Please Let me now, just give, give you now. a little story on giving. You know, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says what? Ask and you will receive. 
Asking you to receive. Well, one day, President Mahama decided to visit the lepers at Wager. So he came. And I took him around shaking hands with everybody. So we shook, he shook hands. And after he finished, uh, we were sitting down. I says, Your Excellency, I need money. Um, I'm building a new leprosarium for 40 lepers up in Enkanchina. You know, Enkanchina, up in OT, up up that side. I've run short of money. Can you help me? So President Muhammad looked at me. He says, Father Campbell, you're a real beggar priest. So I said, yeah, I'm begging for the lepers. I don't have the you money. I call the leper priest. I call it beggar priest. So, you're a beggar priest. We laughed. We laughed together. Yes, Father, I will help you. So we left. He left Wager. And I went back to Dublin just for a short holiday. And I came back and I still hadn't got the money. So I decided, let me go to the house. So I got to the road there, and the soldiers were there. I said, look, I want to see the president. He said, have you got an appointment? I said, no. You don't need I said, I, I want to go and see the president. So he phoned down, and he said, oh, let Father in. Let him come in. Let him come, come, come. So I went down, and he brought me into the big sitting room, and all the you know, various big people were all there. And I sat there and chatted. Then the president came in, and... and all stood up. He came straight to me. Father Campbell, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. He says, you know, I'm so happy you've come to my house, you know, and meet all these people. So she says, can I help you? I said, yeah, you promised me money for, 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 for I need <laughs> We laugh. I says, I forgot, Father, I forgot. Don't worry, I will send it to you this afternoon. And he did. Yeah. Now, but you see, well, I'm not finished yet. Hold on. There was a man there, who, a big distributor of rice, and he called him. He says, come here. He called him. He says, you give Father a whole truckload of rice for the lepers and bring it to his house. So I got a truckload of rice too. Money plus rice. Plus, that's ask. Can you, shall shall can you ask me? Ask me. The number again is 024-332-6643. If you want to find out about our bank details and everything, please call the same number. We'll give it to you. But please, mobile money now. Zero two four six three three two six six four three is the number to send um, your your support to. How, how do you get to hang out with different presidents? President Rawlings, President Kufuor, <laughs> President Mahama, President Mills, <laughs> President Akufado. Oh, and you're just there with them. It's not just I, I hang out with everybody. No matter who you are, you're a friend of mine. President Rawlings was interesting. I wanted him to give a talk to my youth at Sacred Heart Parish. So I went to his house. His house was on the Independence Avenue, somewhere around Zenith Bank. There was a right, house right, there. Yes. Not, not where he is now, not where he right. was, but it was up the road from there. And I went, and he wasn't there. It was all trees, and it was a house. And then all of a sudden, as I was going, this sports car comes in. And out jumps JJ at the gun. <laughs> I says, oh, he's saw me in my white cassock. So we start chatting. And we sat on the back of his sports car, as if we'd known each other for years. I never met him before. That was the first time. First time in my life meeting him. Very enigmatic. And we sat together on the back of that car and we chatted. That was the first time I met him. That's how it started. And ever since then, he's always, he always admired me, he always sang to me. Even before he died, you know, he came to a funeral at the Christ the King. And uh, he said, Father, he called me. He said, Father, you should... 
picture, that sermon printed and tell the people what you said, such and such, do well. So he said, look, those boys who were serving, those boys and girls who were serving Mass, bring them to my house. I'm going to give them something. They did so well serving Mass. So we all came to his house. We came to his house. And he gave us a big Chinese meal. Big Chinese. Then he told the children, he said, I want to see our parents. You're good kids. You're good kids. So he brought their parents. He gave everybody a nice envelope each and said he would support them in their education. Wow. I mean, this, whatever it was, you know, he always admired my, my work with the poor and the needy and supported it. You know, always. I, mean, I just so met going, them. You're going to President Rollins' house. You're going to President... 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mohammed's house. Yes, I've been there. Did you drive to another president's house just like that without an appointment? <laughs> I was surprised because it sounds like something that you do quite often. I usually get an appointment. I try to get an appointment. Yes, I like yeah, yeah, I mean, it'd be so good to me. They tell me, you know, I want to contact me anytime, come and see me. So I usually go through the secretaries and the rest. And they, uh, but they've always supported me. Uh, president Kufuado has always supported me. Um, the vice president has always supported me. There's something, I don't know, between us, you know, that he's always supported me. I mean, all these people, I've gone and asked, and they like my work, and I, they know what I do. Um, I'm helping the poor and the needy and the rest. So, I will ask anybody. Let's talk about Manchester United. Are you a man you fan? I am, I am. This I'm morning I wore my shirt before I came here. I wore my shirt yeah, having my breakfast this morning. Really? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a picture of yourself in the man you just no, I, what, let me tell you the, the history of that. I was brought up as a Man U fan, my father. My father and I would go to football matches every week, you know, when I was a small boy, supporting the, the local team at home. But Manchester United was our team over in England. And I remember just before going to the seminary, when I was 18 years of age, Manchester United came over to play my team in Dublin. I went with my camera and my autograph book, and I went to where they were training, and I met Georgie Best, Dennis Law, Bobby, Bobby Charlton. I met, met all of them, and took their photographs and got their autographs. Really? Yes, that made my day. <laughs> that made my day. Ever since then, did I remember? Yeah, how it started was, yes, I remember the Munich air crash. That was around 1954, so who was it? Uh, was it 58? It, it looks like that. And I remember listening to it on the radio, you know, how, and there was one Irishman among them, what was his name? Whelan. He died. I think ever since then, I've been supporting with my father. So I'm still a staunch supporter of the right now. <laughs> wow. Have you ever been to Old Trafford? Dude, that's one place I've never been. I've been to Anfield. And I've been to well, Goodison you know, Field. Yeah, Old Trafford. I tell you why. I was working during my holidays as a seminarian. I was working in Liverpool. And who did they bring in as a sick person who needed as a patient? Bill Shankly. You're joking. I, 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 I took care of Bill Shankly. I, Bill Shankly. And I went to the uh, Anfield, to the, the park. I went to the cop. You know the cop? Yes. Fantastic. The yeah, the supporters. I'm sure Back and forth. Back and forth. Then I went to Goodison Park. I made a mistake in Goodison Park because I went there with my collar on me. I was a priest then. And oh. the language was a little choice. I know. <laughs> and, I know. The first time I went to Old Trafford oh and I heard the language, I was like, are, are you guys serious? It was terrible. 
But it was a mistake. But I have, I have to go to Old Trafford. I wouldn't, you know, I would do that I before. I think you should have been thrice. If you, if, you, if you didn't become a priest, let me give you four options and tell me which one you'd have become. Let me give you. A doctor, footballer, architect, journalist. Doctor. Why? Medical. I love being a nurse. I was a nurse for three years during my training. 19, what was it? My, uh, my theology training. Each summer holiday, long vacation, I worked in a hospital in Liverpool. And I loved it. Working in, as a nurse or as a doctor or a medical is bringing healing to people. Mm. And that's what a priest does. So I see my work, you know, with a doctor and a nurse. They're similar to each other in many ways, bringing healing, bringing hope, bringing love to people. One thing is certain, Father Campbell, I could sit with you the whole day <laughs> and I would never be tired. I want to say a big thank you to you for these thoughts that you thank shared. You. It's been just a magical experience sharing with you. Let me just tell, and, and just before I share my highlights of my conversation with Father Campbell, please, the number that we want to support us with, zero two four three three two six six four three. If you want to find out more about the Cured Leper Project that we are earmarking to mark 50 years of the candles work in Ghana, still send us information by WhatsApp or send your inquiries to the same number, 024-332-6643. If you're outside Ghana, remember to add the country code plus 233. And my lessons... From Father Campbell, the first is about sharing. He says his whole life has been about sharing and was inspired by Mother Teresa's mantra, doing something beautiful for God. Number two is about God's provision. He worked as a laborer in a grocery shop and then also worked in a supermarket to raise money for his work as a priest to go to the seminary. And in all this, fell short by 10 pounds and God sent somebody with the 10 pounds. He talked about persistence, venturing into Africa when he knew nothing about Africa and climbing to the top of the ship like the Titanic and reaching out to an unknown continent and the difficult beginnings that he met, but he persisted. He talked about being called a leper priest, the stigma that comes with ignorance about lepers and he says he's never ever feared that he himself would get leprosy because he believes that it's the I grace of God that showed people by hands and said, and actually you. moved to now stay in the leprosy. Yes, yes, yes. Incredible. Number five, he says his experience with COVID made him feel that he was indebted to God and that he was living a borrowed life. God had given him extra time because he hadn't finished his work here on earth. Number six is about contentment. He says he feels contented doing what he's doing because he has everything. He doesn't need anything. And he's just grateful for the gift of life because he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. He talked about restoration, number seven, and he talked about his work with prostitutes and the fact that he goes close to them to find out who they are, why they are there, and help them off the streets. He says they come to church on Sundays and they come and say hello to him and he feels very gratified. Number eight is about giving hope. He mentioned his work in the prisons at Asher Fort and James Fort, giving life back to people who are about to be shot in firing squad and that experience and what he did for his ministry. The ninth is about celibacy. He says Christ was poor, obedient, and celibate, 
and he is all three by the grace of God. He doesn't have a wage, he doesn't have a car, and he doesn't have a bank account because he doesn't need money. The last lesson from Father Campbell is about temptation. He says he gets tempted like everyone else, but because of prayer and the focus on the Lord of the work and not the work of the Lord, he knows he would always prevail. Father Campbell, it's been inspirational learning Thank from you. you. Let's do this again. Another time, as the Lord enables certainly, us. Certainly, But ahead of October, congratulations mm -hmm. on 50 years of sacrifice mm -hmm. in this beautiful country. Are you yes. a Ghanaian? I have my passport. I voted in the last election. You are a Ghanaian, yes. died in a wool, proud Definitely. Nilante. Nilante Jawe. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you so much. Thank you very much. On behalf of Team Springboard, and on behalf of our partners, the multimedia group that provide a platform for us to air these broadcasts on Joy FM and Joy News, on behalf of MTN Pulse, the enterprise group UMB Bank, and the graphic business, my name is Albert Okran, saying God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Turning point, no more searching. The light has 